Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Dr. Miller is an OBGYN and MFM physician who is also a coach for women physicians. She owns Lady Docs Coaching Services and also has a podcast called Right Brain Rounds. Karina believes that healing the healers is an important aspect of life as a clinician. Enjoy. Hi, Karina. Thank you for being here with me today. So you are, I'm sure, going to tell me a lot of things, especially as a fellow uh, women's health advocate about imposter syndrome. Where do you want to start? Well, I think um, maybe at the beginning, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that a lot of high-functioning people and people that are high achievers and, you know, um, very accomplished suffer from imposter syndrome. And, you know, I've seen that quite a bit in colleagues, you know, within medicine. Um, I'm also a professional flutist. Um, You see it a lot of times in musicians, you know, people that think they are less than or not enough. Um, I'm also, you know, currently an MBA student and, you know, sometimes too, you know, your grades might reflect um, something that makes you feel like you're less than, I mean, I'm I'm doing pretty well in my studies, but, you know, I can just see, you know, these younger people um, who are in a grad program, you know, who are, um, you know, maybe having a little bit of a hard time, you know, I know how to study, uh, so it's it's not um, something that bothers me. But, um, you know, there's so many different ways that people can experience feelings of imposter syndrome and, you know, so many different ways that you can step out of that and step into fear and kind of just go for all of your dreams and goals, you know, without having saboteurs um, talking to you in your head. You know, I guess I maybe am to sound like a psychiatrist, but, um, you know, maybe back at the beginning of medical school, um, I think that's where all of this started to happen for me as far as feeling like an imposter. Um, I took five years to complete my undergrad studies because I have a BA in music and a BS in biological sciences. And so that last two years of undergrad, I did mostly music (laughs) before starting medical school. So, you know, the studies that I did um, included, you know, being in the practice room and doing lots of recitals and getting up in front of people and practicing like six hours a day. Wow. And then, I went to medical school and, you know, that first round of tests that we had, you know, 33 science credit hours in the first semester, um, I didn't do too well. (laughs) I, you know, got a really great night of sleep before those first exams. I studied, I went through my notes and I was like, awesome, this is going to be great. And, you know, I got like borderline grades on basically everything. And they were like, hey, Karina, we've identified you as someone who might, you know, need to work a little bit harder here in medical school. And I was like, oh my gosh, how 
will I ever become a physician? And I think that really tainted my whole view of being capable, whole, complete, um, you know, a great candidate for medical school, you know, just that first round of tests, because I just, I didn't study the way that I continued to study for the rest of, you know, medical school. I got a three point GPA overall, you know, when it was all said and done, but, um, you know, that whole almost world coming crashing down on me, um, with that first evaluation, that first set of tests, I mean, that just really set me back as far as feeling like I didn't belong. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where my journey um, to overcome imposter syndrome kind of came from. Yeah. And I mean, that obviously made an impression on you if you're still, if you still have an awareness of it now with this with the tests did you find that throughout mm-hmm. medical school that was kind of in the background causing you to second guess yourself yeah i mean i i would say that um i mean i'm pretty much over it now but the test anxiety um the way that my body felt physically mm-hmm. getting ready to go in and take a test um you know i did have some of these um anxious feelings when I would play um, recitals, concerts, things like that prior to, and, you know, just get really nervous. And um, I think later on in my musical career, that just started to fade away because it was like, you know what, (laughs) whatever happens on the stage happens and Mm -hmm. I'm making music and I'm happy about it. So really what does it matter in the long run? Because it's going to sound great anyway. Um, you're going to pass tests. You're going to study as much as you humanly can for a test. And so, you know, I think throughout medical school, yes, that test anxiety did stay there and, you know, feeling like, wow, you know, why am I here with all of these other people? Like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Right. When am I going to be found out? When are they really mm-hmm. going to invite me to not return? <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I think um, in undergrad, we're all gunners. You know, mm-hmm. we all are people who want to compete and and get into medical school. And it's kind of one of those types of cultures. But like, you know, really, I, I was talking to some pre-med students the other day. You know, it's like, it's all about collaboration, studying together, um, trying to figure out a case together as a team, you know, um, you know, especially as a subspecialist now, I mean, mm-hmm. that I would be, you know, maternal fetal medicine, OBGYN, or, you know, dual board yeah. certified after that first round of tests, mm-hmm. <laughs> medical school. So, you know, um, I think I eventually got over this imposter syndrome, but it still pops up um, from time to time, you know, where I wonder if, you know, I'm going to be found out that, yeah. I was an alternate to medical school or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And little did you know, I bet the you know, majority of your classmates had those same fears. That's the, that's the crazy thing about it. Right. Like, you know, I'm not going to run around and talk to everyone about it in yeah. medical school. Um, you know, that's a great way to feel like you don't belong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how many other people were sitting there thinking the same thing? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So did you, um, you continued with your, um, musical 
talent and passion throughout medical training and residency? You know, um, that's something that I kind of put to the side when I was in medical school, especially after, you know, kind of freaking out and saying, wow, you know, what I did wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. You know, what I studied was not enough. So like, I kind of went overboard in the way that I studied and, you know, every waking hour was study, 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 repetition, um, you know, tutors, you know, just all kinds of, you know, study groups, things like that. Um, you know, special study sessions with, you know, different professors and things like that um, to, to make sure that I never had to feel that way again. And, you know, obviously we did well, it was okay. Um, but I did not continue playing regularly like I would have mm-hmm. pursuing my music degree, of course, you know, that just wasn't time of the day for all that. So um, I, I did, interestingly enough, <laughs> did get a scholarship in medical school for playing my flute at an auction fundraiser for our, our medical school at one point. <laughs> oh. So you, you, it made an appearance. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so when did you pick it up again? So um, I was studying for my maternal fetal medicine boards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was doing some crazy studying at that time. I had little toddlers and um, I was in my first job out of fellowship. And I told my husband, I said, you know, when I pass this bad boy, I'm by myself a new And it's kind of funny because my husband and I got married my second into my third year of um, residency. Mm. Really haven't played me, heard me play my flute that often. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you play the flute? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, how much is that going to cost me? You know, he's just mm-hmm. joking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, a new flute, a professional model, hmm, it's probably going to be pretty expensive. So I did reward myself um, by buying a new flute after I passed my maternity nice. boards. And I just started playing again. And it was excellent. I mean, you know, it was back in the time where we didn't have COVID restrictions. And I, mm-hmm. oops, and by you know, myself and solo type things and um, just really was a great reintroduction into music as a creative outlet, Mm -hmm. you know, in medicine and in being a mom and a spouse and, you know, the increased stressors that come with being an attending. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really great that it came back into my life in such a way that it did. Yeah. And I think that's something that many physicians kind of lose, you know, at some point in their training or, you Mm -hmm. know, is this either they have a passion or a hobby that they love like you and then put it to the wayside for survival Mm -hmm. or like me, I just didn't have any time to even figure out what I wanted outside of my career or my, Mm -hmm. you know, clinical medicine until more recently. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that it's a good reminder that, you know, don't, if it's all possible to even give yourself five or 10 minutes a day to kind of let yourself have those creative outlets, it can make a really huge difference for you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, um, it only takes about five or 10 minutes a day to prep some music, you know, Mm -hmm. play, um, 
you know, that repetition, like I was saying before, is the key to mastery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have to practice six days or six hours a day to be good at something um, like I did, you know, in undergrad, but, you know, it, it was kind of a way to pass the time when, you know, you're a flute major. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was just listening to a podcast today, actually. Um, it's called the Huberman lab and it's, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a, Dr. Huberman is a neuroscientist and talks about mm-hmm. neuroplasticity and mm-hmm. a, a great way to continue to make sure that your brain is changing and you're, you're making new connections is by mm-hmm. constantly challenging yourself with something new. So I mm-hmm. think as physicians, as you know, as much as we feel like imposters, if we really sat back and thought about it, a lot of what we do is kind of memory. Like, like for example, like I'll do a C-section and it's just like, this is just what I do. I don't think about the steps anymore or any procedure really. And so despite the fact that I might feel like an imposter, I can still do it. So there's like a separation there. Mm -hmm. So if you allow ourselves to learn something new or try to master a skill that's completely outside of medicine, the benefit neuro from a neuroscience perspective is really profound. Mm -hmm. I totally believe that. And I think that a lot of times physicians might hold back in learning new things. Yeah. Um, because they feel like they might not be good at it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that taking that step that I took to start my own private solo maternal fetal medicine practice, it was pretty scary. And yeah. I thought that I'm not going to be able to do the business side of it mm-hmm. because we're not taught how to do that right. in medical school. And really that was a self-limiting belief. Like I should have had the courage to move forward with that a lot earlier in my career. I think I would have been happier, but um, you know, if someone can get through medical school, they can definitely learn about the business of medicine. Mm-hmm. Not going to be a challenge. <laughs> right. And that's the thing that's so crazy is that we have no belief in ourselves and then we don't t- mm-hmm. so we take a step back and realize like, wow, like I can really do some hard things and you know, mm-hmm. Starting a podcast or having a business is probably something I could learn yes. as well. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it too, like, you know, let's just say starting a podcast as a physician, you know, so many people out there are waiting for your expertise mm-hmm. and your knowledge and your life skills and the things that you have to say to come into their lives. They, yep. they you know, they're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the way that you have to look at it because you are amazing and you have this training that not very many people get. And it's an honor to be a part of, you know, women's lives like you are as an OBGYN, right? You know, so um, why not share that experience and let people see, you know, what's inside as well? Right. You, know, I think, um, you know, people don't realize that that you know, personal aspect in, you know, doing podcasting or, you know, just speaking about medicine, you know, with others, um, you know, how that really brings the um, personal side of things in, into medicine, which I think, you know, patients really enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, And with the stuff you're doing outside of your practice, so you, with the coaching and the MBA, MBA work now, Mm -hmm. how is that, made your satisfaction as a physician better? 
You know, um, I think looking at what you've been able to create that helps you express yourself with the expertise that you have, but in an individual way Mm -hmm. is where at the end of the day, you can see that your happiness is, you know, just skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, when I started my private solo practice, I said, you know what, we're going to have office hours four days a week and I'm going to take Fridays to do administrative type things. And, you know, people are like, okay, all right, well, you won't be seeing patients on Fridays and that revenue is not going to be coming in and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, so what? Mm-hmm. Have, <laughs> you know, 10 hour days. And it'll be a 40 hour work week. And then I might not feel like I have to go on vacation to escape from Mm -hmm. my professional practice. You know, I mean, I, I really don't feel that way. I don't, I built it in a way that makes me feel sufficient Mm -hmm. and that I'm available for my patients, consults, things like that. And that I do have time, you know, to, to take, if I wanted to take a long weekend or if I wanted to work on some finances, or if I wanted to look into like a new ultrasound machine or how to do quality, you know, improvement within my practice or something like that, you know, I can choose to do those things. And it has also afforded me extra time to work on Lady Docs, which is it's L-A-D-Y-D-O-X, um, which is a um, coaching and consulting um, firm for women in medicine, and um, also uh, become a certified professional um, uh, development coach for physicians mm-hmm. um, through the Seattle um, Uh, physician coaching institute and so like you know those things I've been able to do because I have that extra time and my staff is happy we have an office dog I mean where else do you go where there's an office dog (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) and you know we just really have an open door policy and I take all people's considerations um or you know um, their input into consideration when making major business decisions. And it's just a really pleasant place to work. So I took things that I wanted and started that. And then, you know, in coaching other women um, in a peer to peer relationship, it's just really been rewarding in so many ways because you see the struggle. Mm-hmm. And you find out that you are not alone. And especially in group coaching, you have those ideas circulating throughout a community that is safe and in some really, really successful people. Mm -hmm. And theme just runs the same through all of us. And, you know, I just wish that there was some way to shout from the rooftops that, you know, we are not less than, and, you know, you're a freaking rock star if you get through medical school. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we do hard things and 
um, we should be complimented for that and celebrated. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a, that's a perfect thing to end on. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's so perfect and powerful to be able to like truly understand that for yourself. And I think that mm-hmm. once you get to that place where you're like, I am, I'm doing amazing things and I've created this life for myself that I really love. There's nothing more that you want to do with it except for just give it to other women to, ha- to tell them like this is available to you as well. That's a really powerful mm-hmm. message. Yeah. 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 It's definitely something that everyone should consider is just, you know, taking a step back, looking at your life from the outside and seeing how awesome you are as a person. Yeah. Physician. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. This has been really fun. Of course. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.